episode of Alpha Podflight, the podcast where every episode I am joined by a different guest to talk about a single issue of the comic Alpha Flight. This time I'm joined by Claire. Claire, could you introduce yourself to the listeners? Hello, it's me. Um, my name is Claire Napier. I just stopped being the editor-in-chief of WomenWriteAboutComics.com. Now I am just a humble writer and cartoonist. Yes. Buy my comic. <laughs> uh, where uh, I suppose we'd normally do okay I'll tell you what this time we're going to flip it and the stuff that I'd normally ask people to do at the end I'll do at the start so uh, where could people buy your comic and when will it be out they can pre-order it on Gumroad which I think is better than normal comic shop pre-ordering because I think you just pay right now I'm not sure I haven't tried it because it's my comic um, yeah I I don't know the URL, so this is this has okay. gone terribly. Just you know, do a search. It's called Dash Dearborn and the Unexpected Earthman. N- nothing else is called that. So if you Google it, you'll find it. Okay. Okay, and then in that's good, and people should definitely go and do that. And in terms definitely. of other things, which I always forget to do, uh, if you're listening to this, just go and give it a five star review on iTunes or wherever else you get your podcast. Alone, nothing else really counts because I. Tunes is the only one that people care about. Um, like, subscribe and all that, yeah. Yeah. Um, I ne- I'm very bad at checking whether people have reviewed or subscribed or liked on iTunes because I don't have it myself. Well, that should make people feel really comfortable at doing it at their own pace, so that's good, I think. Yeah. Um, when I have checked, thank you to everyone who has written a, a review. Um, they have been... It's been a nice five stars and then a sort of like half-hearted review, which is, is fine by me. That's... Uh, that's the way I'd prefer it. Um, okay, so thank you. Welcome, Claire. And uh, before I got you to come on to this program, this program, <laughs> this podcast, uh, what did you know about Alpha Flight? Uh, Canada. Yes. Um, Wolverine used to be in them. Oh, sort of. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know enough. Yeah. Um, they were in the X Men cartoon one time. <laughs> yeah. I've, I've still not watched uh, that. Really... Lots of other people have have mentioned that, and I need to probably just search for it on YouTube. But yeah, definitely. Yeah, my my experience of Alpha Flight is entirely like secondhand via X Men primary content. Okay. I'm aware of them, but you know they're not the main. No, that's not that's... a big deal, are they? <laughs> no offense. Um, if they're a big deal, other people would have done a podcast about them already. Oh, good point. Yeah. So, um, being late to podcasting about comics, um, it was good that they were about. Perfect match. Yes. So, um, could you give a synopsis of what... Uh, sorry, I have totally neglected to say which issue we're going to uh, look at, which is 19. Which Number came, 19. Which is dated February 1985. And the... Uh, just to make it more difficult for me, I believe that the credits are in the back. They are. So it was a Stan Lee presentation brought to, you, brought to us by John Byrne, who is the creator, writer and artist. Uh, Andy Yankus was on colours. Rick Parker did the lettering. Denny O'Neill was the editor and Jim Shooter was the editor in chief. And Keith Williams has been introduced as the background inker. So somebody along the way had noticed that by this point, John Byrne had started to get lazy about inking <laughs> and got someone to do the backgrounds for him, which I think we'll all appreciate. Um, Okay, so could you give me a rundown of what happens in the comic? Um, 
Yeah, all right. Well, I mean, the cover says introducing talisman, and that's basically got it covered. Um, yeah. We've got Elizabeth, yeah, who Elizabeth. is a lady. Yeah, that's her. Um, and she's got a dad who seems to be in Alpha Flight. Yes. Um, and they are hanging around in a yard, I think. Uh, yeah. Not really are. clear. They're in somewhere. Fort Calgary. And um, well, it turns out that Elizabeth is the most magical of them all. Yeah. And then they go to cowboy times, <laughs> fight a demon. Yeah. And come home. Yes, that's that is a very succinct description of what happens here. Yeah, that's uh, that pretty much covers it. Um, <laughs> they do go to cowboy times. Um, yeah, because uh, when you said that you chose this one because it's a time time travel story, yeah. I was a bit I was a bit wary because I don't like time travel stories very much. But this mm. one keeps it quite compact. Uh, they, they don't feed into the whole paradoxy um, thing that you normally get. That's true. And the character Talisman herself does not enjoy the time travel aspect of this story. So you've got some narrative sympathy there for, for your views, which must have been nice. <laughs> yeah, true. Uh, I mean, Talisman's interesting because she doesn't like being a superhero at all. Um, and she sort of starts it in this issue because this is where she she gets a power. She's not, it's not the first time yeah. we've been introduced to Elizabeth, um, but it's the first time that she has um, worn her magic headband and her her fetching um, outfit. Uh, it is fetching. Yeah. Um, so I, I guess yeah. So um, at one point, Shaman, who is her dad. Um, asks her to uh, go into his pouch and pull out yes. what she finds there, which happens to be this uh, mystical headband, which she just sticks Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take issue with this, because okay. that makes it sound super boring. <laughs> it's a magical tiara, yes. which gives her a super light show, magical girl glow up. Yeah. It's fully Moon Tiara magic here. That, like, I I was super into that page because it's just straight out of Sailor Moon. I mean, I think it obviously came first, but still, you know. Uh, when's Sailor Moon from? Because that's quite old, isn't it? 90s, I think. Is it? Okay. Yeah. So, um, but yes, you're right. It is, um, it is an amazing transformation. Considering... It could have been a little bit flashier, I think. I mean, it is very... I mean... It's very John Byrne, obviously, but yeah. he could have pushed the boat out a little bit more because it's just three identically sized panels. She's got her jeans on, then she's all glowing, and then she's got her fairly brief but um, not too creepily drawn superhero gown. Um, I could have, you know, gone in for a bit of gutter breaking or something that give it a bit of a bit more razzle dazzle <laughs> i feel like it would I, it, it deserved a bit a bit more because it, you know introducing talisman that is the moment that introduces talisman the cover she's all leaping and and wonderful it's yeah, a bit she's more a lovely um, time on the cover isn't she yeah it's it's just a bit more showy i suppose yeah i suppose one of the things that 
uh, Byrne was trying to convey is that she is she's natural to it. So yeah. she's not amazed by what's going on around her. Um, Shaman is constantly wanging on about how easy everything comes to her and how surprised he is. So um, maybe I thought that was pretty nice, actually. Yeah. It's a strong way to introduce a new heroine. Like she's not going to be all. What do I do? I mean, she kind of is a bit, but the fact that it's it's narratively um, it's very definite that she will be fine and she will like no one ever worries if she's going to manage. Everyone That's is right, completely yeah. convinced that she except her, um, and even that just is momentary. She 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 is up for the challenge. She is, yeah, and she, um, I'd compare it to Harry Potter who was constantly surprised that he was a wizard, despite <laughs> going to wizard school for six years. She's not as stupid as Harry Potter. <laughs> True. Um, although it does, um, she finds out, I think in the next issue, that um, once she's got that tiara on, she can't ever take it off again. Yeah, I read that on Wikipedia. I thought that sounds like a shame. Yeah. But, um, you know, it's pretty nice. So yeah, in this worse. one, it's fine, because um, it, me- it means that she can go to the Old West and fight a demon. Uh, and not have too many. Sorry, I say a demon. It's uh, one of the great old ones. Is it? no, the great beasts. Sorry, my mistake. It's very um, ugly, is what it yeah. is. Yeah, uh, it's Ranak the Devourer. He looks like angry chewing gum. Uh, yeah, he looks like someone ripped Krang out of the little the he body. He does. Bit. Yeah, he does. Um, he's got that same sort of constant outrage that Krang has. Very meaty. Yeah, very meaty. And, you know, uh, uh, horrible. Yeah. Um, and I sort of like um, sort of like supernatural cowboy stories. So this does... It rings for me. It felt very... Um, like, I don't want to say throwbacky, mm. But I also do. Because um, yeah. that is what I mean. It felt... I mean, to me, it felt very Bronze Age. Because I have a... A great fondness of the Marvel um, horror titles, yeah, which um, had this kind of not exactly. I mean, it's probably more similar to older stuff, but yeah. that's not stuff that I've read, so I can't really compare it in a, a very useful way. But it, it it did feel it didn't. I mean, this. I guess it is kind of similar to some of the stuff that was going on in X Men around ish this time, but it's still it it feels. Yeah, maybe. Old-fashioned, I get the impression that, uh, and this is basing it on most of John Byrne's career, that I like him as a creator, but he isn't, he doesn't come up with his own ideas. He just uses other people's ideas again. Yeah, well, being very fascinated by John Byrne's Next Men, I can agree with you. (laughs) Not read any Next Men, but I know where you're coming from, yeah. Yeah. But he kind of makes it work. Yeah. Because it, like, because it's not hidden that it's kind of recycled. It does just feel like John Burns, whatever. So yes. you you just you get a sort of sense of creative signature, I guess, like a sort of a flavor or yeah. something that that is enjoyable in its own right. Like I wouldn't necessarily recommend this for like the premise or the story or whatever because it is just you know you could find it anywhere but i might say read this and then let's talk about 
John Byrne because yeah. I think he's a bit weird. <laughs> yeah, and that, I think he's like, a bit I, weird. I like I like that. It, it's nice to sort of. I don't know if I don't know if I feel like he's a nice person, but I do feel like he's at least a character, and that's better than nothing. Yeah, I agree. I think, um, as I've said, I think I've said on this podcast before, he's a man who's obviously got very strong opinions. Some of which, oh, yeah. <laughs> some of which I agree with, and some of which I absolutely do not. Yeah. But, um, and I sort of admire him for just gradually becoming more and more of a curmudgeon as he gets older. It's definitely compelling. Yeah. Like people, people join cults because. People can be compelling, and that's not to say that John Byrne has a cult or that um, that it's foolish to find things compelling. It's just like it is compelling, and as long as you don't go so far as to join a cult, then being compelled by some weird guy yeah. is kind of fun. Yes, uh, and uh, do you follow John Byrne says on Twitter? I don't. Should I? Uh, it's it's an interesting account. It's just someone who is a fan of John Byrne who doesn't necessarily like him very much and will quote stuff that John Byrne has said on his own forum. So John Byrne's got his forum and that's oh, a real right, public yeah. place. And so um, you'll just get quotes from John Byrne that he's just picked out uh, as particularly Byrne-y things to say. I think I did come across that account one time, actually, because I was, I was doing kind of the same thing. I was picking out... Um, my favourite parts of his replies and the letters pages to Next Men issues. Because I only have like a couple of random ones and they're so interesting because they're so... They've got that same recycling feeling, but yeah. he, he really has his own atmosphere. Um, and the way he talks about it, like he's very... He doesn't shy away from talking about the fact that he also drew the X-Men in his Next Men comic. But he's so like brazen about his claim to it not being the same. Yeah. Like I, I'm, you did say I could go on tangents. No, that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> There's um someone has written in, um, like asking. I think I think they're asking why the main character looks so much like Scott Summers. Um, and it's that is a perfectly reasonable question. Yeah. Um, but. The reply is like, well, actually, he doesn't, because when I drew Scott Summers, I drew him this specific way to reflect the fact that his nickname was Slim. Um, right. And other people draw him too muscular. And, too handsome, yeah. Yeah, and, and that's who you're saying this new character of mine looks like. So you can't really say that my new character looks like Cyclops because he doesn't look like my Cyclops. Yeah. Which is a bonkers argument. <laughs> he does look like Cyclops. And he doesn't even look entirely dissimilar from John Byrne's Cyclops. But the fact that that he felt confident in making that elaborate argument... Yeah. It's, it's compelling. Yes. Um... And I, one of the things I like about John Byrne, it's coming back to the, the slim thing and how he draws people, is that mm. he, um, some comic artists will draw the same body with a slightly different haircut on top. Yes. Um, whereas John Byrne will make sure that each character has their own physique. Uh, and I've said that on here before. 
Um, I, I don't is really true, yeah. see it with his Cyclops. I wouldn't have said that he drew his Cyclops particularly skinny or slim. Um, but certainly with how he drew Kitty Pride, he, he drew her as an awkward 13-year-old. Mm. Not as, uh, well, however, everybody else has drawn her. Mm. So, uh, yeah. Um, yeah, so, uh, what else? Could we... So, if we just... Uh, I'll do my job as a host of an Alpha Flight, Alpha Flight podcast and bring it okay. back around to the comic. Okay. So, um, uh, what about the comic did you like and what didn't you like? Um, well, I mean, the first... Sorry, we'll stick with what did you like. We'll come back to what... The, like. Well, not the first page. The second page um, begins with a nice big panel of thinking. Yes. I love a thought bubble. I really do. Um, and it's handy, too, because it catches you up with uh, who this is yes. and how she relates. The Jim Shooter code of yes. it's your first comic, you need to know what's going on. Yeah, and, you know, fair play, because it is, and I did. Um, and I didn't feel for the rest of the comic that I was missing too much, or that, well, in one kind of way, but I'll talk about that in a minute. Because I did, I did make notes. I'm a okay. good guest. Um, yeah, there's a lot of internal monologue, yeah. and I really enjoy that in a comic book because, well, it's kind of necessary for character, isn't it? it well, is. What is this person yeah. thinking? This is what they're thinking. Okay, well, I understand them more now. It yes, seems and you do, and you understand them more, but it doesn't doesn't fall into the trap of experience. Uh, so they still do things against what they're thinking. So, mm. for instance, in this, Shaman thinks lots of things, and then eventually he's wrong. Yeah. Um, which I quite like, so that you can describe a character, and then things still happen to that character that they haven't described to themselves. Yeah, that's true. It also um, it also means they don't have to tell people things that those people would clearly already know. You, yeah. Which is a, a real drag. <laughs> um, yeah, I like the uh, father-daughter relationship as well. Um, yeah, they do have an in, a, like an, a good relationship is, is the wrong description for it because they have a terrible relationship, <laughs> but it's an interesting relationship to read. Yeah, it didn't seem altogether terrible. Um, reading this issue. I did, as I say, look at Wikipedia yeah. um, earlier today, just in case there was anything cool. Um, and it said that they have a, a bad relationship, and I was quite surprised by that. But um, uh, it's well, mature, I guess, because they're not shouting she, at each other. No, they've done that in previous issues. Hmm. And part of uh, when Alpha Flight started, they had lots of, like, half a comic would be the actual story and half would be an origin. You see in Shaman's okay. origin that when Elizabeth was four years old, he promised as like a proper doctor rather than mm -hmm. as a, a Shaman doctor that he would save her mum and then wasn't able to. So yeah, she absolutely. blamed him for that and they became estranged from that. I feel like four is a bit young for that to really work. Um... Yes. Uh, maybe, was it four? I th she was it very was young. four, because that's what Wikipedia said as well. Good, I'm, um, glad, I'm glad that Wikipedia <laughs> agree at least. But okay. I thought then, and I think now, that that's... I mean, maybe she was extremely precocious. I don't know. She was the chosen one? 
Mm-hmm. Um, in in another comic, uh, where she's like becoming where Snow because in this comic Snowbird constantly te- like bows down to her because she's the chosen. Yeah, that was pretty nice. Yeah, um, and Snowbird compares her to Jesus. Um, well, that's just weird. It's a bit, it is a bit weird. Um, yeah. Sorry, I just wanted to to shoot on that <laughs> little fact in there. It's not. It doesn't have any bearing or anything. Um, but yeah, I like so, how worried about her he is. It's um like it's very fatherly. He doesn't really get in her face like, oh, you can't do this. He's not a controlling dad. But um, he does really seem to care about not only her safety but her psychology, yeah. which is an important difference to strike a balance with. Yeah, and at the same time is constantly impressed by her as well. Yeah, yeah. It was it like it was a nice comic to read as a girl. Um, it's because you know sometimes you read a comic and you think, well, all right then. I'll leave, but um, not this one. It, it it felt, you know, pretty. Um, I guess egalitarian is the word, because it it didn't seem to um, to have a particularly different idea of female personhood than it did of the. Um, the personhood of the the male characters. Yeah. Like, I don't mean that that they seem like they have the same voice or the same exact same writerly perspective, but um, all of the characters seem to be treated and not exactly. See, this is the John Byrne thing again. He he doesn't really seem warm towards his characters. He kind of seems. Like that's an interesting seems, point, and I see where you're coming from. He seems he, very aware that he is. He needs to make them do things to tell a story. Like he, he, he has a sort of cold, godlike hand. Yeah, but he's also not I mean, afraid of, even if he likes a character, of making that character come across badly. Yeah. Um. Most notably with characters like North Star and Aurora, who aren't in this comic, um, in this particular issue. Um, but he's not afraid to make them look like dicks. Uh, yeah, they, I, he still it, writes them well, but they're just well-written, flawed It feels people. like very well-observed writing by someone who doesn't really like anyone. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, that's. Uh... Like it, it feels like <laughs> they feel like people that you could meet, but they don't feel like they're being described by someone who thinks they're they're best friends or something. No, I get you. Yeah, I think um, the exceptions to that are Puck. I think he has an affection for Puck um, because he is often portrayed the best, um, uh-huh. and. Uh, Heather, I think he gradually builds Heather up from the sort of slight. Um, she was she's not an uh, uh, unsubstantial character, but she wasn't a strong character, and he builds her up gradually through his oh. run on this comic. Well, that's interesting because I do know Heather from her Wolverine association. Yeah. Um, and it's kind of weird seeing her. 
It's like seeing a teacher out of school, you know. <laughs> no, I know exactly what you mean. And she's um, dressed like a teacher here as well. <laughs> she is, yeah. Yeah. Um, it's it's it feels I don't know. Like I'm part of me is worried that something is gonna be got wrong. Yeah. Like something's gonna change the way that, like the 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 image that I have of this side character. Yeah. Like the. the She's sort of endangered by too much canonicity. Um, yeah, I'm with you. I, I'm, I'm happy with the version of Heather that I have from her Wolverine association. Yeah. She, she's done a ton of stuff, and um, and I don't like I don't want it. I don't want to have to um, reassess all of that, which no. I, I don't have to because she barely does anything in this issue she does very little other than get told that even though she's the leader alpha flight she's not required <laughs> yeah it was it was almost shocking to see it like not shocking but it, it was a surprise it, it did sort of feel a bit weird to see her that like oh yeah she she does exist yeah and yeah. and um once burn leaves and other writers take over she becomes a superhero in her own right so she becomes Vindicator and has uh, like a, a super suit, which means she can fly and shoot energy blasts and stuff. And she becomes a very, well, she's still Heather, but the same, once she's wearing the suit, she is very no nonsense and does not mm-hmm. shy away from making difficult decisions. Mm. Um, but yeah, uh, but she does gradually build up to that. Um, it's not like a one day she puts on the suit and she's, She's a hard ass. There's a letter in this issue about um, someone's written in saying, please don't make her too beautiful. Yeah. Which I thought was quite touching. <laughs> um, Sometimes Alpha Flight fans in the in the letters pages are, are the sort of fans you hope to get. Yeah. Sometimes they're the fans you expect to get, but sometimes they're, yeah, they're okay. But, di- I mean, did did she... With the suit, did she did become, she become... You know, like classic superheroine, gorgeous? Yeah, uh, in a, I mean, it's a full body yeah. costume with the Canadian flag as a central motif. Of course. And she wears big old goggles, and she has a ponytail out the back. Ugh. That sounds is, horrible. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not a nice costume. Um, but they don't make her overly sex- sexy and sexual mm. um she uh later forms quite a grown-up relationship with another character which one uh with mr jeffries oh i don't know who if you haven't listened to other episodes of this i am very much in love with um but uh yeah she she just um they grow into a relationship together in quite can a grown-up uh, thought-out way can i read this little bit of this letter just because yeah, you know, i want to Respected across the years. Um, okay, where is it? I have the feeling that Mr. Byrne intends to resurrect Guardian in the form of Heather McNeil Hudson. If this is the case, I am all for it. Judd's comments in Alpha Flight 13 regarding Heather's inner and outer beauty brought to mind one of my pet peeves, however, namely the sexism inherent in the comics world. I could write a whole letter on this subject, and I probably will. For now, suffice it to say that regardless of what comic writers and artists seem to be seem to believe... 
It is possible to be strong-willed, courageous, basically good and female without being a specimen of physical perfection, as currently defined by our society, both facially and anatomically. To this point, Heather has been relatively plain. Please do not beautify her and perpetuate a standard that does not merit perpetuation. From Sean Noreen. Well, Sean Noreen, bless you. (laughs) (sighs) Yeah. Um... And that's what I mean by Alpha Flight fans. There's another one um, later on. A character uh, changes from a man into a woman, mm. uh, and they don't make a. They don't uh, really ha- approach it in the comic. In the very grow, they don't discuss it very much in the comic. Right. But once somebody writes into the letters saying this is a massive, um, I hope this character gets the support they need. It. Um, the difference between men and women is only slight, but psychologically it's built up over decades of conditioning. It's like, yeah, you're right. Well, yeah. That's a really nice way to approach it. Whereas other letter writers were just like, oh, God, I hate North Star. I hope he dies. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. So uh, in this comic, so just uh, I'll just very quickly, uh, you got it bang on in the um, talisman is born and then they go back and fight a demon in the old west yeah. um, I like the old west things because uh, what's going on is that there is the ancestor of a character who is in a pre in the issue previous to this um, has forced uh, first nations holy man I think it's one of shaman's ancestors because he's got the magic pouch to call forth one of the great beasts to get because he wants power, he wants money, and he wants uh, women, and uh, then he's tricked into being possessed by the demon, and then his like sidekick has to shoot him. That's kind of what happens. See, that's what I mean by old-fashioned. Obviously, the demon is going to trick you, man. Yeah. Come on. And really easily as well. Really easily. <laughs> um, yeah. It, the demon's sort of like, oh yeah, you're very clever, but um, <laughs> but you can only like you can only touch this beautiful woman who I have who's arm making pretend wants to have sex with you if you take off your magic amulet. Goes, yeah, I right guess then. to be fair, in cowboy times maybe they didn't have a lot of stories about that very thing maybe. like we have now. I mean, you know, maybe. He couldn't read or something. I don't know. He yeah. should have known better. We let's not pretend. Yeah. Um, the thing about the Cowboy Times that I don't want to say was my favourite because it is a bit glib and annoying. Hey, go on. But it did make me laugh. Um, the uh, costuming lampshade. Oh, what is hat? They um they go back in time and yeah. of course they're wearing modern superhero clothes. So this. Gentleman in a bowl hat and moustache. Uh, the like, sheriff. I haven't. I yeah. um, so, Shaman does some magic. Yes. Um, he seems to be reaching into his pouch, but then his hand is glowing. I don't really know how his powers work. but Well, he hand. has a magic pouch, which you can pull magic things out of, which is sort of like a little mini dimension inside it. See, that's like anime as well. Uh, yeah, well, uh, I don't know... There are other case, other points in Alpha Flight where it looks like John Byrne has been influenced by Japanese comics. 
So well, possible. I mean, if he was working closely with Claremont for so long, it, you know, things would be passed around. Yeah. Um, but yes, so he, he pulls something out of his bag, which makes Some it magic. differently. Yeah, uh, yeah and they, they, they look old-fashioned. And Puck looks tall, which is a little silly, in my opinion, because, you know, being very short is not a new invention. That has no. been something that people have been for a long time. Um, but anyway... Um, I suppose I guess... the magic is to make them as inconspicuous as possible. I suppose that's what Just it is. Just be invisible. True. You know? Um, anyway, um, they get their own outfits, um, yeah. which is pretty cool. Shaman has a really nice hat. I like that. <laughs> it's a good But um, then the next, the next panel, he says, quickly, now... We must get off the street and out of sight. I am no history expert, and I fear the garments my masking spell has created may seem out of date to a contemporary observer, which is a very smooth way of getting around doing a lot of research. (laughs) (laughs) Just put it right there on the page. I'm John Byrne, and I'm just not sure. Yeah, um, I was watching a Western when I wrote this, and I copied (laughs) the outfits that were in that. Uh, but then uh, Shaman goes on to say that uh, the the spell was just like it didn't. Uh, he he shies away from like messing with people's minds as much as possible, which is good of him, I think. Yeah, and it's it's another nice way of sort of dis- uh, describing Shaman's character as well. Yeah, because uh, he's yeah he is very careful and very thoughtful, but he. I mean, historically, he does just keep getting things catastrophically wrong. <laughs> but it's good um, because, as you know, as an X-Men reader, that is very different to how things are done over at the Xavier Mansion. Um, and that always freaked me out a little bit. Um, oh, what, in that they are willing to bend people's minds? If they yeah, they don't care. Like, they will yeah. just dip into your mental landscape and rummage around. Um, telepaths used to really freak me out. There was yeah. a there was a period of time when I was like, if someone here is a telepath, I'm gonna fight them. <laughs> <laughs> it's just it just seems so rude. So well, it's nice I also to had see this, someone as, yeah, take on, care. Sorry. Yeah, I always had a thing as a kid where I thought everyone else was telepathic, and I wasn't. Yes, yeah, it's a worry that sometimes just strikes you. Yeah, um, or I thought that. All women were telepathic, and this is when I was nine, so it wasn't necessarily <laughs> like a a weird a weird thing. But I thought all women were telepathic, and they I guess it's because my mum always knew what I was doing, mm-hmm. um, regardless of what I tried to to do to get around it. But um, yeah, I thought that all women at, at some point or other became telepathic and <laughs> talked to each other, um, and I was always a little bit worried about that. I'm, I mean. I've got no way of verifying if that isn't the case. Um, well, nowadays we have text messages, which is basically <laughs> the same. <laughs> True. Except that I, from experience of uh, women I know and their ability to absolutely misread a text message, <laughs> it's not working. Well, telepathy is not a science. You know? it's, <laughs> it's more of an art. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So that's quite nice. Uh, he refuses to mess with people's minds. Um Puck, in he, he comes along with the ride. He is the least superpowered of all of them. 
and his only task in this is to do a flying kick into someone's back when they're not expecting it. Um, well, that's, you know, pretty but powerful. But he loves it. He really enjoys it. Um, <laughs> which is puck all over. Um, yeah. Uh, he, uh, and his outfit changes as well. So, um, I don't know. We've, in a previous episode with, do you know Fraser Campbell? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, we read, uh, Puck had his own episode, and in that, his uniform was uh, a leotard with a cowl, but his legs and his arms weren't covered up. Uh, and to be honest, it was a bit, uh, seeing a short, like a really, really hairy man just wear a leotard without any trousers on was a bit much to be honest. So at least in this, he's got trousers on. A bit sexual. Especially with a cow. <laughs> True, yeah. Um, yeah, so he's more of an acrobat outfit in this, I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah, and uh, his other role in this is to reassure Heather that um, she can be the leader without getting involved, uh, which he does before they travel back in time. Yeah, I um, I mentioned my Wikipedia travels again. Yeah. Um, because I I came to learn that that Elizabeth and Puck are now lovers. Oh, re- what well, now they? Because I there's yes. a massive gap in my understanding of um Alpha Flight, and that that gap starts at around the 1989 mark. Yes, so, now I think. Okay, that astonishing is... or amazing or something. X Men number seven. Was okay. the uh, citation, um, and I guess it's not exactly weird, but also it does strike me as a little bit weird. Yeah. Just having this one issue as my because she says she's in art college, and that could mean you know from like well fifteen to twenty one realistically, I and I don't know what she's supposed to be. Yeah, she's about nineteen, I think. Okay. So yeah, she's still at whatever. So she's at university, but I think American University is a little bit before UK University. Is it? So I, I don't know. Because well, college isn't like university, is it? No. It's, it's just they go away to do sixth form or whatever. Yeah. Um, I hope nobody American is listening to this. And <laughs> it. Um, no, actually, I hope that lots of American people are listening to this and they'll engage me on the social media channels available to them. Um, oh, yeah, the best kind of engagement. You are <laughs> wrong, stupid. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, so I think she's about 19. Okay. That's just, yeah. I mean, Puck is clearly her dad's friend. Yeah. And, um... and secretly, Puck is very old. Yeah, see... I had a feeling that was the case. Yeah. And it's just, like, it doesn't really technically impact this issue at all. But also, I wish I hadn't learnt it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I love Puck. He is an excellent character. He seems like a nice man, but he's yeah. he's still too old. He is very old. Um, he makes a, a point here that um, time travel is one of the few things he hasn't tried. So... Again, it's like one of those little clues. By this point, we don't know anything about him other than that he's been around a lot and he likes fighting. <laughs> so um, he's the Wolverine because they got rid of their Wolverine. He's got kind me. of the Wolverine, yeah, but he's much more in control. So he doesn't like... Uh, he's not the sort of person who would 
kill, and he's not the sort of person who would lose control. Well, I mean... He is the sort sorry, of person I'm going to have to take issue with that. Wolverine does not necessarily lack control. He's mostly, in fact, a very controlled person. Yes. He will kill people, but, you know, yes. on purpose. Um, uh, no, I mean, yeah, Wolverine, he, he has a long, 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 long history, and it's full of many, many retcons. And so I will never be able to have a conversation with someone where I won't take issue with something that they say about it. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair enough. Um, in uh, a previous issue of Alpha, I think it's a, no, it might be, yeah, it's the previous one to this by two. So it's 17. It's the one that, <laughs> this is the first issue we did. Um, Wolverine appears in that and him and Puck say that they crossed paths on a secret mission once long, long a time ago and they sort of, they know of each other by reputation. Okay. Um, but yeah. Wolverine wasn't really that old by this point, was he? 1984. No, he no. wasn't. So I he guess... Was I mean... a, he was still a new character uh, and... I think it's Heather. In, I think it's in X Men, but it's Heather that reveals his name's Logan. Yeah. Um, and in a later issue of Alpha Flight, we get the first stab at a character biography of Wolverine, where they Heather and James, where James Hudson being Guardian, um, mm-hmm. Heather Hudson, when they're on honeymoon, they find him wild in. Uh, in the mountains. Yeah, which is retold in the X-Men cartoon. There we go. So we'll assume that that is unretcon fact. <laughs> Heather, Heather is the person who sort of brought him out of his wild man post-Weapon X self. Yeah. So I guess when they say they know each other of old, they just mean like regular middle-aged guy know of old. I think like so, Like yeah. 20 years ago or something. I think, yeah. It's... Just when Elizabeth oh. was being born, so don't date her, <laughs> Puck. Gosh. Yeah. Um, Puck, at some point, gets a daughter as well, who is also <laughs> called Puck. <laughs> Just gets one. <laughs> um, he, uh, uh, at some point, that in one of the late Alpha fights in the 90s, Puck is a 19-year-old girl who is the daughter that Puck didn't know he had. So does she go out with Shaman? I hope They could not. double date. That would be really nice. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it would be. Uh, Shaman would find some way to massively ruin dinner because <laughs> he ruins everything else. Um, uh, yeah, um, but... Uh, in Puck's character biography, I think he's about 106 at this point, but he hasn't told anybody. Okay. Oh, he's also in love with Heather in this comic. Um, he doesn't he doesn't say it out loud here, but um, he is in love with Heather. Good drama. Yeah, lots of drama. Um, yeah. Oh, and Snowbird. She turns up. She doesn't do very much, but she is a bit of a bitch. <laughs> um, she uh, kneels down in front of Elizabeth. And yeah. like says she's a chosen one, which is nice. Yeah, but I'm cool. sure at some point she just tells Shaman to just like keep out of it. He doesn't know what he's talking about. Yeah, she she's does. Half god. But well, she is, you know. So fair yeah. play. Um, it would be pretty annoying to be told, but it's also probably true. Uh, he yeah. doesn't seem to take it too badly. Well, he, she is also kind of his daughter because he. Uh, 
God, it's it's complicated. But he was her midwife, right? Um, out of the the uh, when she was born out of a god, right? He did sort of magic midwifery. So in some ways, he's her dad. In some ways, okay. Well, I like that. I might read more Alpha Flight. I like this this dad comic. <laughs> Uh, and yeah, and then but then she she just like Shaman says, don't do anything rash, let's do this controlled, and then she just sort of walks in and starts shouting at the demon. Well, you know, dads are good, but you don't have to listen to them all <laughs> the time. I know them. you are one, but there will come a day, my friend. <laughs> well, it's it's that um, you want your children to have their own agency mm-hmm. and to become their own person. At the same time, and sometimes you to just their own person to you. is a god. <laughs> <laughs> just gotta, you gotta, you gotta make your peace with that. Yeah. Um, sometimes you just wish they'd do what they were told and stop cocking about. But we won't. Um, <laughs> uh, so, yeah. do you want to know what I didn't like? Yes, please tell me. Okay. Um, I don't think that this issue is structured very well. Okay. Um, it it feels. Like, um, I just sort of caught a snippet. It, it, yeah. it enters in full flow and it leaves, I mean, the, it, it ends very abruptly. Um, just finding the page. It does, yeah, it ends with a lot of exposition, uh, yes. and not a lot of action. Snowbird, so be it then. Come, my friends, so let's return to the present. Back to the future. The yep. talisman has much to learn if she is to fulfil her role. And then the talisman is like, what? Um, and so am I. You know, don't leave me there. I appreciate that um, the cliffhanger is a staple of the serial format. Yeah. And I understand why it should be. But um, if the rest of the issue seemed to have a more... Um, regular or it just it whips along at such a pace um and it it doesn't feel like it was designed to be read on its own um yeah no and it i mean because it leads directly on from the previous issue mm. um and uh from what i can remember i think that the issue because one of the things about alpha flight is when john byrne was doing it is a team book where the team were never in the same book um, so I think after this one, it goes on to, so in 20, it's all about Sasquatch and Aurora. And oh, it doesn't right, okay. really, uh, mention anything that happens in this issue at all. Uh, yeah. And it's just the way he was writing it. He was writing it in, yeah. he took a team of seven or eight people and then split them up into manageable chunks. That's kind of X-Many too. Hmm. So it doesn't feel um, unfamiliar or... And usually that kind of writing... I mean, it can really get the blood burning. Um, The other thing about Alpha Flight when John Byrne was working on it is that he didn't want to work on it. Did he not? He was sort of forced into it because Alpha Flight, when they appeared in X-Men, got a massive fan reaction. Mm. And... uh, Did they? yeah, they did. Every time they turned up an X-Men comic, apparently, they Marvel would get flooded with letters asking when they were going to be 
have their own series. From Canadians or from everyone else? From everybody. Oh. Um, and so then they had some, like, they turn up in other people's comics. So uh, they have very excellent, um, they turn up in a Marvel uh, team up with The Thing. Mm-hmm. They team up with The Thing to fight uh, an ancient uh, Native American god. Okay. Uh, it's very it's, it's an excellent issue. Me, me and Bill, my son, we covered it on an episode here, but we didn't do it anywhere near enough justice. <laughs> um, and yeah, and then uh, about I think it was four years after they first appeared in X Men, uh, he was basically John Byrne was coerced into into doing this comic, and it, uh, by all accounts, he never really enjoyed it. Uh, he was just doing it. I guess that kind of makes what we were saying earlier about um, that sort of cold hand yeah. make perfect sense. Yeah, and I think that makes it... I've read some of his Fantastic Four, which apparently he was well into doing. Mm. He wanted to do that, and I didn't find that anywhere near as engaging as I found Alpha Flight. That's interesting. That um, does kind of say good things about him as, as a craftsman. Um, and yeah, I think that's he is a good craft, so he can at this point in his career at least he could make a good comic even though he didn't want to. Yeah, although you know it could it could have been better. The structure, yeah. as I say, like um. No, I agree. Um, because his, his of, it feels a bit lopsided. Yeah, they yeah. it goes straight from the uh, magical tiara to oh and now we're going to cowboy times and then they just sort of stumble on a window and they look through it and there's a floating guy and then there's a big demon and then there's a few pages where no one from alpha flight is on them yeah like three whole pages yeah where it's just two cowboy demons cowboys having a fight um and it, because I mean, it's it's that pacing problem is still there by Next Men, which is ten years later. Yeah. Um, and it's not something. It's not a problem that is present in his collaboration with Claremont on the X Men. Those are all well structured, I would say. Um, like proper. They feel reading it feels like reading a whole issue. Um, reading this doesn't. Um, so I guess it's just it's just a weakness that he has. He he's not great at structuring a tale, um, which I guess doesn't matter in a way. I don't like saying that because I no, really I... do appreciate structure. Like it, it, it's something. It's one of my you know personal areas of favor. Yeah, but he I has. Get, I guess I get where you're coming from. Yeah, um, he and has in something. Earlier issues um, when he's not slavishly sticking to his like half story, half origin. Mm. After a while, he gets warmed up into the structure, and he but he does fall into the the same structures that Claremont would do. So have a main story, mm. and then seed in other stories as sort of like asides, and it, so he does that. Um, whether by this point he had uh, was making intentional efforts to not do that, or if he just 
was, I don't know, because I am currently working on stuff at the moment, which uh, I know I have to do, but it's a means to an end. Mm. And so uh, part of what I'm aware I'm doing is drawing stuff that I want to draw yeah, rather than what would make the best product. So, for instance, there's there's a panel here where where Puck uh, is falling out of the sky and jumps and like in midair twists his body so he doesn't land in a puddle. Uh-huh. And it doesn't serve any. And it's it's a good it's a big old panel. Yeah. It doesn't serve anything other than drawing Puck doing acrobatics. Mm. Uh, so I don't know because he was writing and drawing it whether he was drawing to write to does that make sense yes it does um see this is something that i i find very interesting um the because you know work for hire at marvel and dc but who cares about them um (laughs) correct (laughs) because it it's so um modular there's the clear delineation between well, I mean, there isn't exactly, but penciler, inker, colorist, yeah, and so on. Um, although sometimes it's art and colors, or like co-plotting, or whatever. But they mm-hmm. they they try and, I mean, they have separate credits, yeah. um, and that's so entrenched as an industry standard. But that makes it a craft standard. Um, but then John Byrne. I mean, on this, he's a, he's a cartoonist, and I I really wonder how differently the integration of those different roles sort of occur within him as the creative producer. Yeah. Like, if you're usually writing scripts for someone, and then suddenly you're doing everything will you still write a script and then do the next, like, would, would you separate the roles and fill each of those roles in turn? Or would it be something entirely different? I see where you're coming from. So it would you write natural. the script and then pencil it and then ink yeah. it and then pass it, 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 it? It seems natural yeah. to me for that not to be the case. Yeah. But when I make comics, I do everything. Um, yeah. So, like, I, I, and I don't enjoy the thought of separating those roles and filling only one of them so that's the shortcoming in my sort of imagination like on this subject i'm i i don't trust myself to fully understand how someone who can be both the separated creator and the integrated creator like i don't i don't understand that ability so i don't see how both states can exist in one person. No, I see. I see where you're coming from. Yeah, which makes it, when it does happen very interesting. Yeah, um, yeah. I think there's some parts of this comic which makes me think it was done in a rush as well. Um, so again, coming back, it sort of links into your point here about um, serving, like doing separating the roles out, or whether you're doing them all at once. Mm. Um, and what I mean, because this. I, th- I still think this would have been done in sort of the Marvel manner, in which case the letters came last and the writer would 
the writer would put the dialogue on on top of the images. Mm. So uh, I think what Byrne would have done is draw the whole thing and then come back to put the text on top. And I think where he's done that, there are cases where uh, speech bubbles are attributed to the wrong person. Yeah, there are a couple of those, aren't there? Yeah, and I think it just feels like it was because it was done in a rush. That's the sort of mistake you'd make if you were getting it out of the door. Mm, That's possible, yeah. Uh, And that might be why they've drafted in a background inker as well. Just to... uh, Because I think by this point, uh, because he was working on Fantastic Four at the same time, I think he was doing other things as well, and he was doing covers. Um, it is a heavy workload. It is a heavy workload, and I think he was, he was trying to get away with as little as possible in many cases. <laughs> um, so you can see where, especially in the scenes with the cowboys, where we've got the, uh, the, the, the barn drawn in the background. Yeah. That's the sort of thing that ordinarily you wouldn't find in an Alpha Flight comic. They just wouldn't bother to put it in. Right. Um, so, yeah, it's interesting, I think, here that they've they've drafted someone in to flesh out the, uh, what they've put in. Because um, John Byrne, I keep saying John Byrne, it's going to become like a one, like a one <laughs> word name. Mm-hmm. John Byrne. So John Byrne would, uh, he... In one panel, he'd draw the background, and then in all the other panels, he would leave them backgroundless. Yeah, that's... Yeah, I do that. <laughs> yeah, and it's... it's uh, I mean, Kirby did it as well. Yeah, that's when true. When he's drawing massive machines. But, you know, so, that's that's him. You can't claim... <laughs> no, oh, yeah, I, I do it just like Jack Kirby, actually. <laughs> that's I, what I do. I'm, I'm the best in the whole <laughs> wide world. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so... But I agree that the structure is off, and it does feel it feels like uh, in my head I've I've just leaned to the side, which you can't see because we're talking on the phone. Um, but it feels like a a diagonal line structurally, if that makes sense. Like yes, yeah. Um, okay. Uh, was there anything else that you wanted to mention about the comic? Um, I think we've covered quite a lot. Uh, we have. Yeah. Yeah, one thing. Yeah, go on. Uh, which relates pretty closely to what we've just been talking about, really. Um, the structural thing. But, um, Snowbird. That is her name, isn't it? I haven't got that yeah, wrong. It is, yeah. Okay. Snowbird. Um, with the scary eyes and. <laughs> yeah. Talking about the devourer and I am Naria, who men call Snowbird, daughter of Nelvana. Like. I appreciate that I have not read any of the previous issues, and so this yeah. may be more um, appreciable to someone who has. Um, but on the other hand, so much of the basic character stuff was exposited for me via thoughts. Um, yeah. That I f- like the sort of. I get I get the impression. Well, I have the feeling that I'm out of my depth in terms of like what this capital M means, but it it feels sort of like <laughs> it makes me feel like a mortal because um, <laughs> she, she's talking yeah. about God stuff, yeah. And I don't really 
like it doesn't really have any um any overt weight to me. I don't really yeah. know what she's on about. I can tell that she's on about something. <laughs> yeah. And it it, it so does her purpose it, it makes is me it... Yeah, go on. Sorry. It ma- it makes me feel slightly bored because you know, it's not talking to me anymore. But it also I can it depends if it's on purpose because if it is then I can respect it as thematic mm-hmm. but um not you know totally perfectly done but if it's not then I didn't like it but I kind of liked it a little bit even if it's not yeah I think it is purposely done she is a bit of a dick to be honest as a character <laughs> um because she she disregards humanity her sole reason for being anywhere is to defeat the great beasts who threaten uh, who threaten the earth but she's more concerned of it as her purpose rather than saving the earth does that make sense yes so it's more of a task that she's got to fulfill rather than something she's got to save i see so she is very distant she doesn't and as I've said elsewhere, Alpha Flight don't really like each other, uh, right. and she doesn't really. That she's part of a team, mm. but she's only part of a team out of convenience. I see. Uh, yeah. Well, she's it does. It does work for me as to like as a character as me, mystical. Mm. But um, because again, that's something that the X Men have plenty of. There's a, there's a ton of mystical. Um, yeah. Mostly ladies, although sometimes it's a horrible, ugly man. Um, You're right, actually. It's either a sort of a girl or an ugly, weirdo man. Yeah, imagine that. Um, <laughs> so it, yeah, it, it sort of, it feels. I guess it feels right in terms of what feels like a Marvel comic to me. Mm. It doesn't. Um, I feel, I guess sort of not at home but recognizable the the landscape yeah is recognizable it's got a sort of i don't know like <laughs> she she feels more archetypal than some of the other characters i think oh no she is I don't know. Is that right? Is she? Kind of. I don't know. There's a. There's just. I don't. It, it just. It feels like the Marvel comics that I have in like my my conceptual Marvel comics shape. It fits yeah. within. Yes, I'm with you. Sorry, I. Sorry, I was distracted then because um, I've just noticed an advert for the original diamond glove. The what? So, <laughs> opposite page 16. Yeah, page 16. Which is where the cowboy gets possessed. And oh, yeah. And is free. Opposite that is a little purple rectangle where you can buy one glove. Oh, yeah. How good is that? <laughs> Neat. There's another cool advert in here actually for Transbots before they were Transformers. <laughs> Where's uh, 
Sorry, Next always page. get distracted by the adverts. Um, oh, yeah. Transforming communicator. Transforming deception plane. Not Decepticon yet. Transforming camera. There's a little picture of Megatron, but he's not called Megatron. He's called... Transforming uh, weapon, <laughs> <laughs> which doesn't really sound quite so cool. No, the super weapon with opposable trigger and parts converts into one of the ultimate robots with att- attachable weapons and decals. Lovely. And a robo watch, which we haven't got a picture of, but that sounds good. It does. Yeah, transbots. That was just like right before they became Transformers, I guess, because that was like. It was like 84, wasn't it? I, think. Uh, I don't know enough about Transformers, to be honest. I think um, it was. Are they in the solicitation? Because it's got the list of comics which have come out. Is Transformers in there anywhere? Uh, there's not enough better clothes, so. Uh, no, it's not, though. Transformers isn't in there. Uh, okay. Right. Sorry. Um, distracted by the advert. <laughs> so. Um, yeah, I think we've about covered this. Um, and I, sorry, I have I've looked it up. Yes, Transformers began in 1984. Right on the button here. Must have just been an old advert. Could be. Have you, what's Transbots then? Is that definitely Transformers? Yeah. It is. Yeah. Uh, I've. Yeah. Well, I never. Uh, right, that's, an, that's another rabbit hole to go to. <laughs> X Transbots is what's come up for me. Stay on the subject. Stay on the subject. Sorry. <laughs> my, um, fault. my fault. I've just found. Uh, oh no, tra- this says Transbots since 2008. Their Facebook. Uh, right, I'm not gonna. I'm gonna close that tab. Um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> Thank you very much for coming on. Uh, Thanks for having me. I really appreciate your time. Um, so we will go back to where people can find you on the internet and if you have anything to plug. Um, I'm on Twitter at yep. Illusclare, I-L-L-U-S-C-L-A-I-R-E. Um, and, uh, you know, go from there. Yes. And your, uh, I assume that there's a link from your uh, profile to your Gumroad. Yes, it is pinned because uh, buy it, buy it, buy it. Thanks. <laughs> is it going to be digital only? Um, no, it is. There's paper ones at TCAF, That's and right. um, yeah, I don't know. I'm not really in charge because I'm not good at that kind of thing. So okay, if you want a paper one, you just you know say so, and then I'll pass that on and. Yeah, everyone will be really happy. Okay, because uh, I often kickstart for digital comics and then never read them. Um, mm. Because uh, I just never think of it. Yeah, well, it, it, if you can't see something, you won't notice it, I find. No. And a Unless digital comic just sort of goes in a little digital pocket. That's right. Unless it's actively weighing down my rucksack, I'm just not aware of it. Um Right, so, uh, yeah, that's where people can find you. Uh, people want to find me, then I am G-R-T-H-I-N-K, which is pronounced Gerfink, and I'm on Twitter and Instagram, and I'll be on Facebook, which is my IT page, which I have on LinkedIn.
Interesting, interesting story about um, my daughter because she's into drawing and they both like comics now because I've sort of forced it on them. They haven't had a choice. Um, and she asked me one weekend uh, if I could show her how to make an abstract comic. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, I'd love to. Absolutely. And I was like, do you have a particular comic that you'd like to make an abstract of? And she was like, yeah, I really like Luger and Baruga, which one of the Etherington brothers did. Mm-hmm. It's like a kid's one. So I was like, yeah, brilliant. Let's go and get it. So then... We got it down and I measured out the panels and I transferred them onto a page. I was like, right. And then you just, re- and she's like, what are you doing? I was like, this is how I make an abstract comic. She's like, this isn't what I thought we'd be doing. I was like, Do you even know what my comics look like? And she's like, no, I don't. So I showed her on the internet and she's like, oh no, I don't want to do that. <laughs> All right. Uh, so then she just sat and coloured in boxes that she drew herself and it was much better than I would have been able to do it. So, 